today's scripture comes from Philippians 1, 19 to 21 and Philippians 3, 7 to 11. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For, me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. This portion, uh, gaining by losing. Now, what I'm going to do, let me just tell you where, just the recent sermons that we've been. So, I, I don't know if you guys ever do this, re-listen to uh, older stuff. Um, and if you haven't, you missed any of these sermons, I really, really want to urge you to go back and listen to the last six or seven sermons getting, coming through here. And just very quick recap. What does it mean to be truly human? Remain the image of God, and we are made to be like the heavenly man, Christ not the humanity of Adam, the man of dust. Do you remember this? The man of dust. And so from there, I talked about how we're always looking for boasts because it's very hard to be a man of dust. So we're always trying to cover ourselves in some kind of worth, some kind of boast. And instead, what the Bible says is we will boast in weakness. <laughs> That's crazy talk. And then I urged us to live, if you're going to live in union with Jesus Christ, that Jesus dwells in you and you in him, that you can live in weakness, not seeking a boast of this world to go show everybody, look, I'm not nothing. I'm not just dust. And see, can't you see these boasts? Can't you see my resume? Can't you see how good looking I am or all my achievements and what a nice house I live in? Instead, I urged us those who live in Christ would live in transparency and vulnerability, okay? Transparency and vulnerability. That we'll boast in our weakness, and thus we'll let people see that we're actually filled with clay. But inside of this clay is the treasure of the indwelling Jesus Christ, okay? That's where we went in this series and I just started touching into this last week, which is, so what does it look like besides this very weirdness of boasting in um, weakness and letting people know of our clay and um, being transparent and vulnerable, which is, I know, very, very scary. And I'm going to talk about, um, I started last week, and this message is, very, very strangely paradoxical. You gain by losing. <laughs> you gain by losing. And um, 
let's get into it. I actually, I'm, I'm going to wrong foot you today. I got, we got four parts, okay? Part one, the principle of cross to life. The principle of cross to life. If you're united to Jesus Christ, you're united, you're united to the full Jesus in his death and his resurrection. You are called to embrace cross, the cross, his cross, which means there's a cross and there's loss in your life. I know that doesn't sound like good news, but if you're united to a Jesus of the cross, you are also united to a gain of resurrection life on the other side of the cross, okay? That's what the Christian life is really about. So part one, the principle of cross to life. Part two, the downside of gaining in the world or gaining in what I call the secular. Apart from God, we're always trying to be secular. Secular just means the world. The downside of gaining in the secular. That's part two. Part three, the upside of losing in Christ. Isn't that weird? There's a downside to gaining in the secular. But there's a tremendous upside to losing in Christ. And then I'll close the glory on the other side of the cross. I'm going to give you a story, a little story about what it could look like. The glory on the other side of the cross. Okay. Let's just look at some of these passages. These are incredible passages. And I'll just say this again. If you don't read the Bible or you're a person you're not sure if you even believe in God, only the Bible talks like this, okay? And since this is in the Bible and I have personally tasted its power, this is one of the reasons I know the Bible is from God and no other book is, okay? It talks like this. So, um, so this is the context of Philippians chapter 1. I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be um, at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. We're cutting into the middle of, of, of something where he's saying, you know what he's, where he writes this? He's writing this in prison. Paul is writing this letter from prison, and he doesn't know if he's going to die. <laughs> That's what he's talking about here. And, and I, you know, just for the sake of time, I, don't, I can't go into what he says right after. He's basically saying, well, if I die, I, I, I win because I get to be with Jesus. <laughs> but if I stay here, I win because then I can serve you. I don't, I'm not sure what's better. <laughs> Should I stay here and suffer in this life so I can serve you? But if I die, it's okay. I get to be with Jesus. That's what he's saying. And then he says this very strange thing. Verse 21. It's in the middle of this. That's what he says right after verse 21. In the middle of this, verse 21, he says this. For to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. For to me, is, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's the principle what we're talking about here today. It comes up again and again and again. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Okay. So before this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, before this is a whole discourse of all 
of Paul's boasts. All the things that give him worth and respect in the world. Now, he comes from a religious subculture. You know, it's the Jewish world. And what he does, he tells you every top thing that he can say. Inside of my world, here are all the things that give me worth. And then there's what he says, verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. Can you hear it? Gain. Loss. Whatever gain I had... All these stuff that I can say that in my world, these are all my boasts. Let me tell you, it's loss. I'll just lose it. I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. That's what we're talking about in this message. What are you willing to lose? In this life. He's saying. I am willing to lose all things. All of it. I'm willing to lose all of it. I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them as rubbish. And I told you last week. That word rubbish. Is, is got a, Probably the more direct translation. Is the stuff you flush down in your toilet. I count all these things that the world considers so important. I count it as the crap I flushed down the toilet. It's not that the things that he can boast of are in themselves bad. It's that in comparison to knowing Jesus, in comparison to knowing Christ, that's all they are. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him and be found in him. Let's just stop there. To be found in Christ. To be found in union with Christ. So that who I am would be united utterly in Christ. It's another way of saying I won't be found in me. I won't be in Adam. I won't be in the dust. I won't be in me trying to run my life. Trying to build this life for me. To build my worth. To build my righteousness. I won't be found doing that. I'll be found in the humanity. The divine humanity of the heavenly one. Who went to his death and his resurrection for me a new kind of humanity, a better kind of life. That's what he's saying. Let me just say this one last part before I, I, I want to give you a couple other places, but okay. Verse 10. Here's what he wants. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. I may know Jesus. And the power of his resurrection. This is what I talked a little bit about last week. It was an Easter sermon. And I said that we don't have resilience in this life. That's one piece of the power of the resurrection. I mean, know the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. You know, that's another way of saying, I may be willing to lose like he loses. <laughs> I may be united to his death then I can have his resurrection. So it says, becoming like him in his death, see, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You know, that's all union with Christ's language. I'm going to become like him. I want to become like him in his dying because so then in my life, there's going to be some losing and suffering and hurting and dying so that whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'm going to taste something 
of the life on the other side of the cross. That's what he's saying. Hmm. Okay. Is this just some kind of like, I just cherry picked two passages out of the Bible. It's one book, Philippians. It's Paul, Paul, crazy Paul talk. Is this what this is? I just want to show you just, just this briefly. I'm not talking about crazy Paul talk. This is at the center of the gospel. And so let me just take you very quickly, just three passages. This is out of the Gospels. That is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Here it is out of Matthew, Luke, and John. The speaker in all these places is Jesus. So here's the first one. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. In other words, let him take some loss. And take up his cross and follow me. Now listen to this verse, 25. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Can you hear that thing? There's a losing, then there's a gaining. It's paradoxical. If you really want to get your life, you will lose your life. If you really want the life that... I want to give you, you're going to lose. So follow me and do some losing. It's strange. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He, this is again, Jesus said to all, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You notice Matthew wrote this. You notice Luke wrote this. must be important. Verse 24. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Same words. But Luke adds this. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? And you know what the context here is? It's talking about, so if you have money, you have wealth, you have a great life in this whole world, but if you lose yourself, what good is that? <laughs> so why don't you lose your life to gain your life by following me? That's the Luke context. One more, John chapter 12, verse 25, 26. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Crazy words. Now, hate doesn't mean you hate your life. You know what it means? It means love, hate. This is Jesus wielding covenantal language. Where is your deepest allegiance? So, you know what he's saying? Wherever your deepest allegiance is, you will love whoever, whoever hates his life in this world. And if your life in this world is less than your life for eternity. Will you love your life for eternity? Whoever loses his life, whoever loves his life will lose it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. I mean, after here, where I am, there will my servant be also. You know what that language is? 
union with Christ. Is your life wherever you go, is that where Jesus goes? Wherever you go, is Jesus with you? Union with Christ. You serve him. You're with him. You're about who he is and about his humanity. And that means you're willing to lose in order to gain. Okay. All that's crazy talk, I know. <laughs> it's Bible crazy talk. Now I want to try to give you a little idea of what it looks like, okay? Let's go to part two. The downside of gaining in the secular. Secular is just a word that means the world. And I use that word, instead of saying the downside of gaining in the world, I just said the secular because we live in a secular culture. And everything about this life is all about gain. <laughs> Everybody I meet, Christians included, Everyone is interested in gain, gain, gain. Nobody's interested in lose, losing. Okay? Everybody's interested in gaining. We're all utterly interested in no losing. We, 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 we avoid losing like crazy. That person, they're needy. Let's spend less time with them because that would be like losing my time. <laughs> Dealing with a needy person. Oh, if I hang out with this person, I might not get the best deal. So... That's like losing. Oh, there's an event. It's announced for next week. Wait a second. Let's just sign up for Wait, wait a second. Something better might come along. Something better might come along between now and next week. And thus, I will miss out on the thing that's better that's losing. Let's not do that. Let's just wait. Non-committal. Oh, wait. Let's not date this person because maybe someone better will come along. And then I will lose out on the better person. So we can't lose. Does it make sense? Am I describing how you think? Of course I am. You know how we all think. <laughs> and what I want to offer you is this way of thinking, living inside the secular. The world is all like this. Here's how the secular is. The world is you get 70 years or 80 years or 100 years. If you're lucky, you don't get cancer. You don't get hit by a bus. Okay? That's if you have a great life, you get 80, 90, or 100 years and it'll, you'll be healthy, <laughs> okay? You'll be rich. And inside of a good life, in this 80, 90, 100 years, you never lose. <laughs> you always gain. We just go from victory to victory to victory. You find that, that wonderful girlfriend or boyfriend. They don't, they don't cheat on you. They don't rip your heart apart, right? Then you get a perfect marriage. You get a great career. You get doing exactly what you want. You, get, you reach highs in your career. You make lots of money. Then you have perfect, beautiful kids. Let's assume you want to get married, but you probably do, etc. And it's always gain to gain to gain, victory to victory to victory, no, never losing, never suffering, okay? And one of the things I just really want to tell you about this, this whole way of thinking about life, okay, let me just be really blunt, and this is helpful for you to hear, and I know I'm sounding mean, but this is actually really loving, Okay? This is garbage. <laughs> Please throw it away. This way of looking about life, it's super selfish. It's really toxic. And you are just living inside the secular. <laughs> you are living in the atom. It's like, oh, my life, it's dust. I'm going to return to the dust really, really soon. So let's get gain, gain, gain. Before it was boast, boast, boast. The boast, boast, boast was for gain, gain, gain. Um. 
I want to tell you a couple things that I've heard, and sometimes you might have heard me say this before. They stick with me all the time when I think about how, how life in our culture works. So I'm going to say this. This is the truth about life that people often don't understand. This is a fallen, cursed, sinful world. And the fallen, cursed world filled with sinners that are operating inside of sin. Even our righteousness is sin. <laughs> so here we go. This is the sentence I want to make, and I want you to remember this. In the world, we who are apart from Christ, we make good things bad. <laughs> In the world, we get good things, and they turn out bad. Right? But in Christ, God makes bad things good. The ultimate vision of that is the death to the resurrection. God loses. And then we gain. In the world, we get riches. And then our kids turn into spoiled jerks. Right? In the world, you get into the best schools and you turn into an arrogant idiot. <laughs> that other people hate, right? In the world, you're really good looking. You were born with the right genes. You have good money. You have really good taste. You have a great hairstylist. Okay, so for the first 30 years of your life, everybody likes you because you're so good looking. And when you turn 40, 45 or 50, you get really insecure because your worth is built on that we make good things bad. <laughs> this is what it looks like. There's a downside of gain. Let me give you another. Um, this, this I got from this uh, book. And if you've been with me, you know, this, you know this sentence. But I like to pull it out every now and then. It's a book I read many years ago. Disappointment with God by Philip Yancey. This is my favorite takeaway from that book. He has this quote. There are two tragedies in life. There are two tragedies in life. One, not getting what you want. And two, getting what you want. <laughs> there are two tragedies in life. Not getting what you want and getting what you want. This is what life in the secular is like. No union to Christ. No death and resurrection of Christ. No gospel. It's just on you. The world. 80, 90, 100 years. That's gain, gain, gain. And then you get what you want. So let's just talk about this. We already know if you don't get what you want, oh, that stinks. You know, there's some that are like, I wanted to get in that car. I just came back from college trips. You could feel, you could feel the stress and anxiety of the kids in the room and of the parents in the room. I'm like, oh, it's like you're in this room, all these anxious parents at this elite university. Ew, right? So obviously, it's a terrible day if they don't get in. So let's, let's not go into the, you didn't get what you want. I think that's easy. And, um, but let's just talk a little bit about, you think it's so great when you get gain, but I just told you, we take good things and make them bad. Oh, I'm an exception. If I win the lottery. <laughs> if I win the lottery, I will give money to the poor. I'll have a great life. <laughs> Everything will be wonderful. <laughs> Please. <laughs> it's like, look at the evidence of the way human beings actually are. And then you're like, oh, I'm the super exception. I'm the special, special exception. 
You're not the exception. You're a normal, sinful, self-righteous, selfish, sinful person. And if you live apart from God through Jesus Christ, you have no union with Christ. There's no God indwelling you to give you a deeper hope and power of this everlasting life. Then we will make good things bad. So let's just give one example. I mean, there's so many examples, but I'll just pick one, okay? Um, any of you watched the, 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 the documentary, The Last Dance? Any watched The Last Dance? Any of you are sports fans? You know what The Last Dance is about? The Last Dance is about Michael Jordan. The Last Dance is about Michael Jordan. And I don't know if you know this, but um, Michael Jordan, there's a Michael Jordan brand. And a lot of you are so young, you never watched Michael Jordan play. I did. Okay? And there's a debate as to whether Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. I don't think it's actually too much of a debate. The majority of basketball experts says he's the best. The GOAT, the greatest of all time. And that, that, that uh, documentary is telling you the story of how Michael Jordan became the greatest of all time. And you watch this thing unfurl. And when I was watching this, the early episodes are actually my favorite episodes. Because Michael Jordan is young. And he's still humble. And the young Jordan, I was like, the young Jordan, oh my gosh, I love this kid. Right? The young Jordan will refuse to, like, tank. His team, his, his owner actually wants him to lose games. So that when their team loses games, they'll get a better lottery pick and then they can get a better player to play alongside of Michael Jordan because they have no chance of winning the championship. And the young Jordan says, no way. <laughs> no way. The young Jordan wants to win even if they're going to lose. I was like, gosh, I love this kid, right? And he's, there's like a hum humility and a purity to him. But as the story begins to progress, what, what Michael Jordan wants is, you know what he wants to be? He wants to be considered the best. And as you watch this thing, at the time, everybody was like doubting Michael Jordan. They were saying, you have all the athletics. You can shoot. You can like dunk over people. And he could. It was absolutely, it was like a spectacular replay fest. He's on ESPN every single night. But his team can't win championships. And they say, hell, he's not as good as Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And that's what everybody said. He can't make his teammates better. And so you know what he wanted? He wanted to be in the Magic Johnson and Larry Bird club. That's his game. I got to gain. And I got to enter into this incredibly elite club. Because at that time, they were considered the two greatest basketball players of all time. Everybody thought who knew anything was like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, they're the best. And they, they did win all the championships. They won all the MVPs. When everybody looked at them, they're like, wow, they're the best. Jordan, you're less. And he had to gain to get into that club. And then finally, he finally wins a championship after losing, losing, losing all these many years. Just heartbreaking, crushing defeats. And when he finally wins, I don't know if you noticed, I watched, that, I watched him win that championship. He holds the Larry O'Brien trophy for the, that the champion receives. And you know what he does? He bawls like a baby. He cries like a little baby sitting there. Like international TV, you see this man crying like a baby in his locker room holding this 
trophy. Because finally, it was like, okay, I finally attained what Magic Johnson and Larry Bird has. Just, just fast forward a little bit. You, you, if you watch the thing, what starts to happen is he turns into an arrogant monster. <laughs> He's so demanding that his teammates have to get up to him. He must win. And then he just, this incredible young man <laughs> turns into actually a rather awful person. <laughs> to this day, the older Michael Jordan He's kind of this bitter old dude, this older dude. He's extremely rich. He's beloved. He's practically still worshipped. And people still, he, he's very, he, if, if people want to say that LeBron James is good, if Michael Jordan, he'll get up and say something to stick him down. We make good things bad. Now, I just want to say this. You're like, oh, come on, I wouldn't be like that. Really? We have all these ways. We get something good. We find ways to make them bad. When we're righteous, we've got to be better than other people. We've got, we got more money. I'm better, got more, got we just have all these ways of making it bad. So I want, the first thing I want to say this is have some skepticism on all your gain, gain, gain. Maybe it isn't all right. You know, we always think about gaining and the, the life that we want. You notice there isn't much Jesus in it. It's like very little Jesus in it. Or sometimes Jesus is in it. But then it's like, I'll do this for you, Jesus. But then Jesus is like this junior partner in the backseat of the car. <laughs> I'm going to do this for you, Jesus. But then when then he's very, you know, like, I thought I was going to do this for you. And how come you're not helping out this grand plan where I'm going to live for you? And then we get mad at Jesus, okay? So, that's part two. Part three. All right, part three. The upside of losing in Christ. The upside of losing in union with Christ. In Christ is to be united to Jesus Christ, okay? And I want to just offer you certain things um, what does it look like to be in union with Christ? And I want to just give you three ways of losing in this life. But on the other side of that losing, there's something beautiful that's coming from God. You're going to lose. You're going to taste some loss. Something painful even. Maybe even extremely painful. Which is of a cross. But you'll do this for Jesus. See, I'm not talking about just losing for the sake of losing. You know, like, I, I, the first time, I, I once gave a sermon like this, and, I, and uh, it was a room full of a bunch of different, it wasn't, it was South Asians in the room, and they have a lot of the same idolatries as East Asians. And one of the points I says, hey, I'm not talking about losing for the sake of losing. So if you get this message, the pastor says you don't have to study very hard to get into a good school, then, like, that's just losing to lose, Okay? And losing to lose is just losing, okay? <laughs> There's no winning. There's no gain on the other side. It's like you're a loser in the world, and you're also a loser in the kingdom of God. It's just you're a loser, and you're a loser, okay? You're lazy. You're just, you know, like trying to like use some excuse so that you don't have to like put out there and have some sacrificial cost. 
for gain. So, of course, everybody knows in the world you have to have sacrificial costs to go gain something. But in the kingdom, it's strange. There's a pathway for losing to gain. And I want to give you um, three ways that it could look like, okay? Here's number one. How about radical generosity? Is it your ambition in life to give, give, give? <laughs> See, we always want to gain, gain, gain. What do I get out of it? What do I get out of it? It's like, you almost don't have to say it. In fact, you don't have to say it. You meet somebody else, you know, if they don't say it, they're asking, what do I get out of it? And you know that they're thinking that because you're thinking that. <laughs> what do I get out of this? What do I get out of this job? What do I get hang out with this person? What do I get out of it? Gain, gain, gain. But in the kingdom of God, in the everlasting kingdom of the resurrection life, I think when we get to heaven and we're all living in the resurrection body and we're like Jesus, we're not going to be thinking, we meet at somebody and you're like, okay, what do I get out of this? <laughs> what do I get out of this? Let me see what I can get out of this. So I talk to this person in this really nice way and then I can get something out of this person. Wouldn't it be awful if we get to heaven and that's the way it is? I think when we get there and we're holy like Jesus, we're everlasting, you know what it's going to be like? You're going to meet somebody and they're going to want to give, give, give to you. Give to you. So first one, radical generosity. The generosity is not Okay, you know, I'll be loving and I'll be kind and generous. Yeah, generous, okay. <laughs> Just like, it's like a duty of a Christian, that annoying chore, like, you know, like cleaning the toilet, a chore. Clean the toilet. Generous, be generous. Oh, yeah, generous. Right? How about, no. I want to lose, lose, lose. Give, 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 and pour out all the time all the time. I'm not, of course we're thinking about money. Let me just, just start with money. Let me challenge you on money. Everybody wants more money. And you're sitting there thinking, well, I'll give more money when I get more money. Jesus has another thing I like to say. He who is faithful with little is faithful with much. In the economy of the resurrection, in the union with Christ, he who is faithful with little is faithful with much. Let me just throw this at you. Why would God want to give you more money? Because when you get more money, you'll just turn it into something bad apart from Christ. But if you are faithful with little, you don't have that much money. And then he goes, ah. But Damon knows that money is intended to be given away to bless and to love because Jesus does not hoard his riches. Jesus gives his riches. Jesus is not interested in making himself rich. Jesus is interested in making you rich. It is the way of the union with Christ. It is the way we lose. It's not just money. It's not that one. But it isn't just money. How about your time? How about your talent? How about your knowledge? How about your gifts? How about just yourself? Just yourself. This person, I'll give this person. I really like this person. This person, I withhold. I withhold me. And I know 
You're sitting there going like, Pastor, you're crazy. You're always wanting us to give. You're always wanting us to give. Whenever I get, I get burnt out. Then I get tired. Hey, I do too. Let me tell you something. You know why you get burnt out? Because you don't know that on the other side of the giving is gaining. The other, um, when you lose, do you actually believe and see that Jesus will offer you something good and a gain on the other side? If you can understand that your life is fundamentally about losing and giving, and Jesus is like, can't wait to give on the other side of your losing. He's constantly waiting to bless you. So he's going to bless you and give you gain, the kind of gain that we can't make bad. The kind of gain that is eternal glory and riches. That's the kind of gain that's on the other side of the losing. If you can believe that, and then you can see that, and then you can begin to taste that, you won't get tired of giving. You won't get tired of losing. You will go, losing? This is how I gain. Let's give. Second, how about losing in your losing, I'm going to call it losing, losing in your relationships? How about losing in your relationships? So let's just have some examples here. You're married. You have a fight that it just keeps coming back around that fight, like circle around like you're crazy. Husbands, I'll start with you since you're supposed to be the head. Why don't you start and lead your wife by losing? How about this one? Why don't you give in? Try that. Try that. Wait a second. If I give in, she'll just like run over me. How do you know? <laughs> Jesus died. He was humiliated. He lost. But he gained. Maybe if you say, okay, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm just out of faith with you. I'm going to actually give in to my wife. It takes faith. It takes faith in Jesus. He's Lord over you. He's Lord over her. And then if I give in to her, I'm not just going to lose. I'm going to give in to her out of hope. And I'm going to love her in Christ, in union with Christ. And then maybe I lose and she's going to like wreck me. But maybe not. I dare you, try it. Um, how about an important subset? This is a very, very important subset. An important application of this losing your relationships. How about forgiving? You know what forgiving is? It's losing. You have a friend and you're in a fight with this friend, and they owe you. And if you forgive, you're like, then I lose. <laughs> Sometimes if what they did to you was so painful, forgiving feels like death. It's like, oh, gosh, I can't do it. can't do it. They win, I lose. It feels like a death. Why don't you consider it? Why don't you consider it? 
And if you still hate this person, your friend just cut you so deep. And like, I don't even want this friend back. There's all these passages Jesus says, you should forgive seven times 70. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are our debtors. It is the way of the gospel to lose, lose their forgiving. I mean, sometimes it even just feels impossible. Um, if you've been with me, I once told you a story of, of a brother I knew. His father abused his mother and then they got divorced. And for many, many years, all he wanted to do was kill his father. That's it. All I want to do is kill my dad. It's the only kind of relationship I want. And then they went over forgiveness in their small group. And then he admitted, I can't ever forgive him. And then his whole small group prayed for forgiveness in him. And this little door opened up in his heart. Who do you think opened that up? <laughs> the Holy Spirit leading him to Jesus. And what he thought was impossible, he began to pray, I know I'm not, I don't want to. He began to pray for it. First, just pray for it, even though he still hated his guts. I'm not telling you it'll definitely work. Anyway, the story has a good ending. And the forgiving his dad, reconciling his dad, now his day's children have a relationship with his grandfather. His father, is that like a change man? He actually got Jesus later on. He actually has a second marriage, does not abuse his second wife. It's crazy. There's a gaining on the other side of the losing. And I'm not telling you it's going to all turn out peachy keen. You may have a friend. You don't even know what a pathway to reconciliation could look like, but at least maybe it starts that you, it'll start in you. I don't know how to trust that person ever again. But I'll forgive this person. At least I want, want to try. And you hate this person. <laughs> and maybe even rightfully so. Justifiably so. You're right. They owe. Okay? But do it for Jesus. <laughs> Do it for Jesus. And do it because you trust Jesus has something else on the other side of this losing. And then maybe you'll forgive this person. You're still not reconciled. But now, at, the, at least at the beginning, you're not consumed with bitterness, resentment, hate. And now there's at least a possibility we could be close again. At least a possibility we could start to trust again. See? God is not interested in easy things that we can fix tomorrow. Let me throw out a third one. This is a big one. Uh, and it's almost like too crazy to say this one at this time of the sermon. I'll just say this one. How about losing your worldly dreams? <laughs> How about letting them go? All our dreams are set inside of a story of our life. 
you have this narrative. You're going to go from gain to gain to gain. And then you're going, oh, then, then I'll get this, and then my life will be so great. How about losing that? How about losing that? Let's find out. You don't quite get the spouse that you thought you'd get. <laughs> you don't quite get the career you thought you'd get. Maybe that thing that you're just so anxious about, got to get that particular promotion, got to get into that particular school, got to get this kind of money, got to get this kind of girlfriend, got to get this kind of like good-looking like self. Maybe you could put that on the cross and lose it. And once you lose that, maybe there's something better. <laughs> Jesus will give you something better. So we all deeply don't believe that God loves you that much. You just The real, real problem with so many Christians is you just don't believe he loves you that much. You don't believe he knows you, he loves you, he loves you, and if you lose this thing, he'll have something for you. It's actually better for you. You don't believe that. But can you take a chance? I mean, um, there's so many examples of this. Um, I thought about which example to give you. I'll just, just briefly, I'll, I'll just give you an example from my life. Here's my life narrative, okay? I am very good at school and reading books. I read hard books for fun. Do you? <laughs> I do, <laughs> okay, right, you know? I, I have hard questions. I like them answered. And then in the middle of a, like a hard book, when there's an answer, I'm like, yes, I know the answer to this question that I had. And now I can explain to other people. And this I used to want to do because I like being smarter than other people. <laughs> and now I found out, actually, this is actually my gift. Hard questions. Find out the people who actually have deep answers. Read their hard book. <laughs> find it and connect the dots for people. So in my life, I said, this is what I can do. I'm not, what am I going to be? I'm going to be like a supermodel or something? <laughs> am I going to be Tom Cruise? Am I going to be Michael Jordan? Am I going to be Bill Gates? What the heck is this? But this I could do. And in our culture, where is a pathway for that life narrative? It's like, well, I'll be a professor, <laughs> Our smart people are the professors. And they get the right degree, the PhD. And then the best ones don't even get the PhD. They write the books that all the other PhDs go, and this book, oh my goodness. So like, that's what I want. I want to be a professor at a great school. When people read my book, they said, man, this, this is it. Okay? So I just told you all my gain, 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 gross, stupid stuff. Doesn't that new Jesus? <laughs> Somewhere in my life, I said, okay, Jesus. Every time I try to run my life for all my gain, 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 it turns out bad, bad, bad. Why don't you take it? All my life, I wanted to have hard questions. I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. 
And in my 20s, if you had asked me, you want to be a pastor? No. <laughs> want to be a missionary? No. <laughs> want to plant a church? Are you crazy? <laughs> you want to plant a church in your hometown, Silicon Valley? I hate San Jose. Screw that. <laughs> Those would have been all my answers when I was 19, 20, or 21 years old. Even at 24, 25, 27, 30 years old. Today I'm a pastor. There are really hard questions in our culture. And I realize getting to teach them as a pastor, as a missionary, you guys think I'm a pastor, but actually I'm a missionary, to a deeply lost society that needs a nerd <laughs> to throw it out into a church and to offer better answers. It's crazy. It's so fun. Anyway, I didn't know. I didn't know I was going to get to do this. I love doing this. Right? Take your dreams. Don't you lose them. Trust that Jesus knows you and loves you. Okay, come on. Part four. It was one more part. I could end it right there. That's not a bad way to end it, is it? I want to, um, there's a glory on the other side. There's always losing. I'm asking you to do. It's crazy. It's, like a, it's an absolutely insane sermon. What are we talking about here? We're talking about sacrificial love. That the center of your life is sacrificial love. And it's not your love. I do sacrificial love. They don't do sacrificial love. See, now, now you're getting self-righteous. <laughs> That's pharisaical. You're, it's a sacrificial love united to Jesus Christ. And you know your love is small. <laughs> you could sacrifice a lot and it's still not much. But you're dying with Jesus. <laughs> the secret of your life is that you're with Jesus. And in this thing that's happening inside of your life, nobody thinks it's interesting. <laughs> Everybody else thinks it's lame. They may even think you're dumb. They may even think you're foolish. But you're in this place of your life. It doesn't get you money. It doesn't get you advantage. It doesn't get you gain. And in fact, to do this thing, it feels like losing. It feels like loss. But in this place, in this somewhere in your life, there's some place in your life, there's, there's no gain. Or it doesn't look like there's much gain. There's no worldly gain, certainly. There's no money. There's no respect. There's no praise of your fellow man. There's no name to be won. There isn't some great anything. It just feels like losing. But in that place, you got Jesus in your corner going like, let's do this. Let's do this. Lose for me. Is there a place in your life like that? That's a great place. It's a great place to meet Jesus. It's a great place to go discover your real self, your eternal self, the one in Christ, the one that's in the heavenly humanity, not in the secular, Adam, dust, junky, secular, where we take good things and make them bad. Okay? What I want to do is I want to close with 
I've been thinking about a story, an example to offer you to like just help you, okay? Yours might not be quite like this, but I'll bet you there's somewhere in your life that's like this, okay? And ask the Lord, is this a place in my life that's like this? And in there, Jesus will meet you in your losing and bless you by gaining on the other side of the cross. So let me tell you the story. Um, my, uh, my parents ran an elderly care home. I grew up with the poor, elderly, and mentally ill in East San Jose. Okay? So my parents are hard scrabble, work hard immigrants. And the way they got us to middle class and upper middle class was by small business. Some choose like dry cleaner. <laughs> Some choose sandwich shop. Some choose liquor store. My parents chose elderly care home. And then my mom found out that there's a program in Santa Clara County that you could qualify for and if you took in the mentally ill, they'll give you extra money. <laughs> so you don't just get like, you know, the small amount of money the government gives to just a poor elderly person. If you take in somebody who's younger and they're mentally ill. So you could get somebody in your care home who might be in their 40s, not in their 70s. And they're physically pretty healthy, but they're mentally ill. And they're difficult. <laughs> but if you could unlock how to care for this person, my mom figured this out, then I will have a client where I make steady money for a long, long time. This person could live in my care home for 20 years. <laughs> and we'll have business success, and we'll pay my mortgage, and my kids will go to really good schools, and I'll be a great mom and a great business owner, all that stuff. So my, that's what my mom figured out. Okay? So it's not like I'm this holy person. My mom is a holy person. She really loves Jesus. But that's not what she's thinking about. You know what she's thinking about? Gain. <laughs> she's thinking about gain. So she enters this program. They qualified the care home for the program. The, 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 the care home was licensed to have 25 or 26 people, but you could have up to 14 in this particular program. There was a woman, there was a woman who was in her 40s. I'll just call her name Jan. Jan is white, she's blonde, she's middle-aged, and she's difficult. Right? So just a little description of what she's like. She has rather wonderful blonde hair, except it looks horrible because she doesn't shower. And when she comes out of the house and she walked by here, you would know because it smells awful. Awful. Other strange things about her. She never talked, barely talked to anybody. She was suspicious. She was angry. <laughs> she was a really, really difficult person. She would come for her meals. She'd get her cigarettes. And she would regularly come to my mom's office because she, all her income was government income. And the government 
lets you have a certain amount of money, according to the rules, a certain amount of money goes to the care home where you can be, and then a certain amount of money is your spending money. (laughs) So this woman will come to my mom's office a couple times a week to get her spending money. (laughs) There's other things about this lady. She ate no vegetables. So, my mom said, okay, what are we going to do with this, this person? Now, let me tell you something about how this works, okay? So, I know a few things about how government programs work and how things go. So usually, a person like this ends up on the street. They end up at this home or at that home or at that home. And somewhere along the line, all these homes... Can't stand them. And then they shuffle them out, transfer them to somebody else, and then they end up in the street. That's the way it usually works. Okay? And or they end up in some house, and they just do the minimum because they can't stand dealing with this person. My mom's she's a Christian. She's like, this isn't going to work if I just do this minimal, minimal care and just let her walk around here, stinking the whole place up, driving everybody nuts, and practically living in an inhuman way. So when she would come to get her spending money, my mom would do things like this. Why don't you go take a shower? And then I'll give you your money. And she would say, beep and beep and beep. You beeping, beeping, racist name, racist blah, 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 lady. My mom, she was a tough, no-nonsense mom. <laughs> she just went, if you keep that up, I'm going to kick you out of here and you can go to the lock facility. <laughs> you know what the lock facility is? It's the insane asylum where they lock you in. <laughs> so, wouldn't it be nice if you take a shower? <laughs> I promise you, I'll give you this money. <laughs> she'd get really mad. And, and then when she'd come back after she showered, she'd be like, she'd put some water on, barely showered, still smell awful. My mom would go, nope. Swearing words, all this stuff like that. My mom would go through cycles of that. And then would say, and then she'd go back, actually take a real shower, come back. My mom would smell her and say, Oh my goodness, you look so wonderful. And give her a hug. Even the lady would, didn't like hugs. At her meal, my mom would drop one lettuce next to her hot dog or something ridiculous like that. And she'd say, why don't you try eating that? And if she took two bites, she would shower love and encouragement. I once asked my mom, why do you think Jan is like that? She's almost not human. Why do you think she's like that? My mom told me this. She said, I'm not sure, but I have a, a, I have a guess. She once told me sometimes she wakes up in the middle of the night and she sees a man walking into the room and getting into her bed and doing really, really bad things to her. She regularly has that dream. And my mom said, ah, 
So she's a sinner. She's been horribly sinned against. You know what? Jesus loves her. My mom's looking for gain. But my mom is also a Christian. She's like, ah, oh, okay, if I keep this client, at least I can provide for my family better. But if I keep this client, I lose every day when I have to interact with her. And I have to deal with this all the time. My mom chose losing to love this lady. And at the beginning, it was just to make money. But then over time, because she could feel like Jesus hovering over her because she's a Christian. <laughs> and she has the Holy Spirit in her. And the Holy Spirit is like, Jesus is like, I'm here. Don't you know I love her? And over time, as my mom would use her tough, no-nonsense, like she, she's, she has this way of being tough, super loving, tough, super loving, all right? And then she would like recover through Jesus. And over a bit, bit by bit by bit, this lady started to shower. She started to eat vegetables. She started to smile. She started to become actually a rather lovely person. And of course, she was still difficult. And you know what my mom told me? She said, well, nobody else notices it, but I get really happy when this happens. I know God is doing it. I know God is doing it. It's like the secret thing that's happening. Jan, my mom, and Jesus. My mom doesn't boast about it. But just because I'm close to her, after many years, she told me about it. And that's how I found out this is how my mom does it. She doesn't just put out and sacrifice to love her kids. She loves Jesus. <laughs> she loses to love Jesus. And when she loses to love Jesus, you know what happens? She gains. <laughs> she gains his glory. She gains his pleasure. And it gives her this power to keep doing it. <laughs> Please don't think I'm boasting about my mom. I could boast about my mom. It's a pretty good boast, right? My mom, she'd probably be embarrassed if she heard me telling this story. She wouldn't ever want anyone to think that she thinks she's anything special. For her, it's only because Jesus is special. And in your life, you can learn this too. Because I had a mom who operates like this. I learned a little something about this. And if you will walk to lose, you will gain. <laughs> this is what union with Christ is like. <laughs> I promise you, I promise you, it's a lot better than your gain, 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 secular, secular, worldly way of life. I promise you, absolutely. It's not even close. It really is. That is really like crap compared to this. <laughs> so believe the gospel dare to lose, and I can't wait to hear your stories, how Jesus rewarded you through gain on the other side of the cross. Let's pray.
Lord, I've talked about a lot of things today. It's a wild and strange, crazy upside down message. And whoever listens to this message, whether they're here in person or online, <laughs> whether they're listening to this even three or five or ten years from now in a video, I pray that you would shake them to the core by the Holy Spirit. And this thing that we normally regularly do because we're so worldly, we're so like Adam, we're so trapped in the selfish gain, gain, gain of the secular, of the world. They would dare to think there's a pathway into the heavenly. And that pathway involves a cross. That if we would dare to lose with Jesus and for Jesus, there is a gain of our life far more than we could think or hope or imagine. You long to give us, Lord, far more than our tiny, sad, worldly little imaginations could even conceive. So break down our pathetic little dreams and our selfish gain, gain, gains. And we pray that we would put them on the altar so you can love us. <laughs> you could love us. In Jesus' name, amen.